This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. Big breaking news in media. Big business story, big media story, big political story. Fox News announcing in the last hour, Tucker Carlson is out, effective immediately. Great news, folks. Fucker Carlson found out on Monday, as he was preparing his nightly fake news show, that he was, yeah, fired. Ten minutes later, Fox released a statement telling the world that he was gone from the network. They were trying to beat Carlson to the punch and cut off the conversation before he started to grovel to get his job back. But this welcome turn of events makes Carlson a three-time loser. First, there was CNN, then MSNBC, and guess what? Now Fox. People aren't sure what led to his exit, but Fox says they can think of almost a billion reasons why. (laughs) Yep, Tucker Carlson is out. When he heard Vladimir Putin was like, damn, we need the new PR guy. (laughs) It's easy to make jokes about Tucker being gone, but now who's going to tell me which Eminem is most woke? Rumor has it that on behalf of the Murdochs, operatives at Fox are leaking stories now about Carlson's shitty behavior as a way of letting Carlson know just how bad things will get for him if he doesn't go quietly. But we, meaning me, the most of the human race, will not miss Carlson. Maybe just his gal, but that's about it. President Trump, if you see this, please save us. I don't even see our American flag anymore. Biden's talking with some kind of crazy flag. This is America. This is our land. I'll talk more about Carlson at the end of the show, but a couple of quick things about his firing. On top of Carlson not being a team player, he also treated his female colleagues like dirt, taped conversations and text messages showing the depth of Carlson's animosity towards his female boss in a text chain that he called her the C-word. The Daily Beast reports that Tucker's repeated use of the C-word was a key factor in his demise. According to text messages from the Dominion lawsuit, Tucker referred to Trump lawyer Sidney Powell as the C-word, and a former producer at his show alleges she heard the word around the office constantly. Female politicians who came on the show were mocked. There were debates about who they'd rather sleep with. C-word all the time. And then there's this producer for Fox who's currently suing the network, Abby Grossberg. She likened working on Carlson's show to being gangbanged at a frat party. We know his writers have become progressively more engrossed with conspiracy theories and white nationalism, and women-hating naturally goes with that territory. And one disgusting detail of Abby Grossberg's revelations is this. In response to a story about girls at his 14-year-old daughter's boarding school experimenting sexually with each other, Carlson opined, if it weren't my daughter, I would love that scenario. When honest people say what's true, calmly and without embarrassment, they become powerful. At the same time, the liars who've been trying to silence them shrink and they become weaker. That's the iron law of the universe. True things prevail. Brian Stelter, no stranger to being axed, wrote his theory of Carlson's firing in Vanity Fair. And I quote, The revelations from Dominion's lawsuit against Fox were embarrassing for many individuals, including Carlson, whose private emotions about Donald Trump, a destroyer, a demonic force, 
and Fox's own journalists were published for all of the world to read. And this is all such a fitting end for Tucker because he was always terrified that he'd lose his show after getting canned at two other cable networks, CNN and MSNBC, and he was specifically afraid that Donald Trump would be the one to destroy him, which is why Tucker spent so much time spoon-feeding Trump's bull to his viewers despite knowing it was all bull after the coup attempt on January 6th. Tucker called Trump a demonic force, a destroyer, but he's not gonna destroy us. Tucker made the same mistake everyone else who sucks up to Trump makes. He thought he could harness Trumpism and use Trump for his own ends while remaining completely unscathed, but ultimately they all learned the same lesson. You can't let a tiger loose and not get mauled, even if it's the biggest, dumbest looking tiger in the zoo. Hundreds of emails and text messages from within Fox were published in Dominion's pre-trial legal filings. But there is a huge number of other pages that remain out of public view. The redactions were voluminous, and there are more revelations yet to come. The takeaway is that Carlson was blindsided when Murdoch gave him the boot. Carlson apparently believed himself bigger than the network and was increasingly operating as his own island. Well, I guess Carlson learned the hard way that no man is an island, right fucker? Tucker's last show was this past Friday. Now here's some updates on E. Jean Carroll rape and defamation case that's going on right now in Manhattan. And now we will turn to the latest in the New York civil trial that's been brought against Donald Trump. Uh, witnesses have begun their testimony today in the defamation and battery case against the former president brought by E. Jean Carroll. She's uh, a columnist who accuses Trump of raping her. She was the first person to take the witness stand in this case. A jury was seated on Tuesday, and as the trial began, Trump's lawyer called Carol's lawsuit a plan to make her famous. After opening statements that outlined Carol being viciously raped, Joe Tacopinus followed with an aggressive attack on Carol, contending that her account was untrue and accusing her of exploiting her story for personal gain. She became a celebrity and loved every minute of it, Takapina said. And I'll remind you that Carol is already plenty famous and exceedingly well thought of, both in New York circles and by her thousands of loyal readers. The first question her attorney asked, why she finally took her case to court. I'm here because Donald Trump raped me. And when I wrote about it, he said it didn't happen. He lied and shattered my reputation, and I'm here to try to get my life back. Trump's team had already tried to prevent the jury from hearing about similar incidents where Trump had groped several unsuspecting women. But the judge, the distinguished Judge Kaplan, threw that out and ruled that Trump's legal team made their appeal too late. And now jurors are poised to hear evidence that will show a pattern of sexual assault perpetrated by the former president. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab him by the pussy. That's crazy. He's just totally admitted it of what he did to me all those years ago. I moved in her like a bitch. People were shocked, but it didn't surprise my husband or me at all. And we were sort of like, okay, I'm glad that the world can see what he's like was sort of like redemption to hear it. It did amaze me that this has been exposed. It also amazed me that Trump floated to the surface and went on without any sort of retribution for his behavior. He's admitted it on tape that he does these things. 
Like, what more do you need? Now, Trump hasn't shown up in court. I mean, that as is his right in a civil case. But as Carol was headed into the courtroom to testify on Wednesday, Trump threatened her via Truth Social, ending his diatribe with, and I quote, this is a fraudulent false story and witch hunt. Now, Kaplan reprimanded Trump's lawyers, and later Wednesday, Carol took the stand saying that after Trump publicly maligned her, and now I'm going to quote her, it hit me and it laid me low. I lost my reputation. Nobody looked at me the same. It was gone. People with no opinion now thought me as a liar, and they hated me. The force of that hatred was staggering. And trust me, Eugene, I know exactly what you're talking about, and I feel for you. Now, speaking of incriminating evidence, Ari Melber yesterday released a couple of tapes on his show that they are doozies. I mean, they are really fucking doozies. New, previously secret recordings of Senator Ted Cruz discussing an explicit strategy to overthrow the election in advance of January 6th. Audio of Ted Cruz talking with a Fox host and in pre-interviews with Fox staffers sheds light on his plan to challenge the 2020 election results. Now this asshole organized at least 11 senators and proposed that GOP state legislatures could overturn election results. They just needed to manufacture the facts. I think that the country deserves to have a, a credible assessment of these claims and what the evidence shows and mechanism to try to force that is denying certification on the 6th and it looks like there was a deal between ted cruz and trump that if any of trump's false election claims happened to reach the supreme court that cruz would argue the case i mean you can't make this shit up folks in this newly exposed tape Senator Cruz proclaims that the coup plotters would jump from denying the certification, which I showed you they tried to do, to step two, which they didn't reach, but here it is on tape. They would just seize power, he says, and overthrow the whole election. He literally explains it that way, basically that they would hijack the certification and then use their own made up fake commission to declare that the Biden win was fraudulent, and then that would decide who's inaugurated. Now, revealed in all this is Cruz's desire to form a commission to undermine the election and to keep Biden from being certified on January 6th. There are also a number of ties between Cruz and some of our favorite Mary Coup plotters, like Steve Bannon, Rudy Colludi, Drunken Giuliani, and of course, not to be overlooked, Josh Hawley. I mean, Cruz went on to tweet a sort of admission that confirms that Melba's report yeah, is accurate. So thanks, Ted. Uh, has the special counsel, Jack Smith, uh, been in contact with you? Uh, I've been contacted by several law enforcement authorities. We have, uh, we have uh, surrendered the descriptions of all of the tapes we have, um, and we are in the process of... Uh, of working out targeted subpoenas to to give those tapes over so that we are we are certain that no matter what happens in our case all of the truth gets is out the, is the DOJ one of is the DOJ one of those entities yes and is it the special counsel it would be the special counsel yes now if Ari Melber has the tapes Jack Smith wants them too 
He reportedly called Abby Grossberg's lawyer to get the Ted Cruz Maria Bartiroma pre-interview tapes. Now, there's also a Peter Navarro tape that Melber played on The Beat Tuesday that helps prove that money raised to stop the steal was really just stolen. And it made Navarro angry. He wanted to use that money to overturn the election, not pay off the likes of Brad Parscale. But on that tape, you hear Peter Navarro basically saying that these state legislatures, that he had them that they were ready to follow the Green Bay sweep plan. And according to this plan, and this is part of this unlawful independent state legislature doctrine, that these MAGA-controlled state legislatures, they were basically going to say, we don't care what the people of our state did. We don't care what our courts have ruled. We, the legislature, feel that we, under the Constitution, and again, they don't have this power, but we, under the Constitution, have the right to do whatever we want. Anyway, like I always say, when it comes to these documents, drip, drip, drip. The leaks are coming out hard and fast now. Now, I don't want to jinx it, but the truth is out, and I'm sure some guilty Republicans are scouring the yellow pages for lawyers, for guns, and most importantly for them, money. So good fucking luck, guys, because the jig is just about up. Send lawyers, guns, and money. Dead, get me out of this. Now file this under failed states. Are there worse governors than the ones currently wrecking Texas and Florida? Well, my opinion, not many. But maybe you'll remember the Surgeon General that Governor DeSantis handpicked in the middle of the pandemic. His name is General Joseph Ladapo, and according to numerous reports, he personally altered a state-driven study about COVID-19 vaccines last year to suggest that some doses pose a significantly higher health risk for young men than was true. Ladapo's doctor documents were released as part of a public records request where Ladapo goes on to say that the vaccines were dangerous to young men between ages 18 to 35 and might lower their sperm count. You remember that shit? Cause exactly that's the sort of shit that Joe Rogan and Aaron Rodgers mindlessly parroted to their fans. It, it's, it defies science, defies logic, it doesn't make any sense. None of it makes sense, especially at this stage of the, the pandemic, air quotes. I mean, what the fuck, man? And anyway, critics say Ladapo altered the study out of political, not scientific concerns. Well, guess what? No shit. Who the fuck doesn't understand that? Florida had one of the highest COVID-19 death rates in the nation. 87,000 at last count. But wait, there's more. Disney? has filed a lawsuit against Ron DeSantis, saying it is being forced to defend itself against, quote, a state weaponizing its power to inflict political punishment. Ron DeSantis is just the kind of blowhard who never knows when to quit. But I'm sure as donors pull away, he's rethinking some of his recent decisions about how to handle the biggest employer in his state. Especially since Disney just keeps handing him his ass over and over and over again. Disney's lawsuit was filed just minutes after a board appointed by Governor Ron DeSantis nullified provisions that allowed the company to largely govern the land around Disney World. 
In its suit, Disney calls the board's decision patently retaliatory, patently anti-business, and patently unconstitutional. But Wednesday, Disney finally decided to sue the anti-woke governor who stupidly, who fucking stupidly went to war with them because they dared to disagree with his anti-LGBTQ campaign. Specifically, Meatball's parents' rights and education bill that prohibits instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity in Florida schools. I mean, seriously, what the fuck, Ron? Disney is alleging that Meatball Ron has overseen a targeted campaign of government retaliation that is threatening the entertainment giant's operations. Anthony, what's he playing at? He's got his pulse on the culture war. It's popular in Florida because Florida's more of a red state right now. And that plus the mouse is breaking him. And we'll be writing about him in 10 years, 2032, that he was a great governor that lost his mind and <laughs> was a bully and had a very thin skin. And he broke down once they started pressing his buttons, they launched him into outer space. Well, Dope DeSantis also went after Anheuser-Busch last week, just like all the other, yeah, you know, who's who think that it's funny to take pot shots at popular companies that just so happen to be the backbone of American culture. The Disney lawsuit ends with the sage observation, and I quote, In America, the government cannot punish you for speaking your mind. I call bullshit on that one. I mean, I'm with Disney on that. Rest assured, I swear, I'm with Disney on that. Republicans love to talk about our First Amendment rights until something you say offends them. That's when the MAGA snowflakes totally melt down. I got some Bud Lights for us. So... I kept hearing about this thing called March Madness, and I thought we were all just having a hectic month, but it turns out it has something to do with sports. And I'm not sure exactly which sport, but either way, it's a cause to celebrate. And now for the main event. We welcome back to our show, fellow podcaster and political junkie, Brian Tyler Cohen. No relation to me, but Brian is among the most watched progressive political commentators on YouTube, on Facebook, and Twitter. He also hosts one of the top-ranked political podcasts in the United States. It's called No Lie with Brian Tyler Cohen, with guests that include Nancy Pelosi, Kamala Harris, Adam Schiff, Cory Booker, Ted Lieu, Andrew Yang, Beto O'Rourke, Katie Porter, Eric Swalwell, Ed Markey, and Joe Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain. We also look forward to hearing Brian's perspectives, points of view. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Brian, I mean, there seems to be a whole host of reasons why, you know, fucker Carlson was fired from Fox in such an absolutely spectacular, you know, fashion, including Abby Grossberg's lawsuit for which she apparently holds a lot of the receipts. What are you hearing from your sources and why, why in your opinion, was Carlson fired in such an ice cold way, especially the guy was like their top rated host. Yeah, he was their cash cow. You know, that is that is like the question of the day here. And here's the only way that I can that I can kind of rationalize this in my mind because otherwise it really doesn't make sense to me. I think that Rupert Murdoch just figured that Tucker Carlson is just such a massive liability with no ability to 
basically moderate what he says moving forward or moderate what he does moving forward, that he just figured based on some, you know, cost benefit analysis that that uh, it would just be easier to fire Tucker Carlson now than deal with what he assumes will be the inevitable, inevitable uh, um legal issues moving forward. And so that's the only way that I can justify this. He knows that like you cannot change you cannot change Tucker Carlson. And so based on what he knows about him, based on what he knows about him to his core, he knows there's going to be legal issues moving forward. He knows there's going to be these gender discrimination uh, lawsuits moving forward. It's not just going to be Abby Grossberg. It's going to be the next person. And so maybe he just figured, look, we because we know because it's priced in here that we know that Tucker Carlson is going to get himself mired in more legal issues moving forward and it's going to cost me Rupert Murdoch more money moving forward it's just easier to cut the guy loose now and something else that i think is especially interesting about this and i've i've read a few uh, a few different op-eds uh, in these last uh, last 24 hours here and that is this idea that uh Tucker needs Fox more than Fox needs Tucker. And regardless, it's Fox's audience. And yes, of course, Tucker has a big audience. But these are people that tune in to Fox. And when and we know, based on other people in the past, that when you deplatform someone, it's really hard for them to reach the same, uh, uh, the, the sh- same scale of people that they've been able to reach before. And so I think Rupert Murdoch, at the end of the day, just knows that like Fox will be okay, relatively speaking, without Tucker. It's Tucker who needs the network, who needs those eyeballs, who needs the exposure to those millions of people a hell of a lot more than Rupert Murdoch just needs this, uh, you know, this one random host at 9 p.m. Yeah, you know... It's a tough call. I I sort of sat with this concept of Rupert. You know, Rupert used to live in my building before he moved. Um, I would see him every morning downstairs at the gym at like 6 a.m. You know, incredibly chatty guy, nice guy. I mean, easy to speak to. Um, not what you would think in terms of a Rupert Murdoch. He's extremely calculating, so there's definite your you know the theory that you're putting out there. However, I can't help but wonder whether or not it has to do, of course, with this historic settlement um, that Fox just had to pay out on the Dominion voting system lawsuit. Here's, um, here's why I'm not sure about that issue, and that's because this already happened. So at this point, it, it would seem so bizarre for Rupert Murdoch to not only have to pay that historic $787 million lawsuit, but then to also deprive himself of the network's cash cow. So it seems like he's kind of like, it, it just doesn't, it kind of defies logic in a sense that he would not only have to make this massive payment because of the settlement, but then also deprive himself of future earnings by virtue of having someone like Tucker Carlson, who is that network's biggest star. And so that's why I'm I'm just having trouble wrapping my mind around just this idea that Rupert Murdoch is doing this because because he wants to punish Tucker when in essence he is kind of punishing himself. I mean, it's already happened. The payments already had to be made because of what Tucker, among other hosts, have done. And so it that that part seems a little bizarre to me. I don't, I don't know. And if you he's agree not. With that. Yeah. And Rupert's not done with the hosts, right? I heard you know Maria Bartiromo is on the chopping block, uh, as well as I forget somebody else, uh, you know, as well that they're that they're looking at. But to your point, it already happened. Well, you know that there's as well an existing lawsuit by Abby Grossberg 
who yeah. worked with Tucker Carlson, uh, you know, on the show. Uh, and this lawsuit, of course, alleges all sorts of rampant sexism and anti-Semitism behavior that was going on um, by Tucker Carlson. Some also say that it's perhaps these profanity-laced remarks, some which were, you know, later, of course, redacted in the Discovery, the Dominion Discovery documents. You also have the issue of uh, Smartmatic. You have uh, comments that were privately made by Tucker Carlson, whereby he was disparaging not just Rupert Murdoch, but other colleagues, including, by the way, Donald Trump himself, right? Yeah. Um, I know that some of those disparaging comments were made about Lachlan Murdoch, you know, Rupert's uh, son. And I don't know, you know, I don't know. And I can't figure out exactly why you would do it, because on the same theory that it's already happened and these lawsuits are going to take place or are already in the process of taking place. Yeah. Why get rid of your number one star. I mean, also, there, there may be some degree, just to kind of play the other side of this argument here, there may be some degree of ego with all of this. I mean, this network is like steeped mm -hmm. in this idea of just, you know, the, the same toxic masculinity that Tucker sold as a part of his show is probably is probably pervasive throughout the entirety of that network. And so when they did see, thanks to this uh, Dominion lawsuit, when they did see these text messages from Tucker Carlson disparaging Fox's leadership, it's not like Fox's leadership is going to, you know, just roll over here. I mean, these people have egos just like Tucker does, just like Kennedy and all these other people do. Everybody's got egos here. That, that's what that's what drives so much of these people. And so I think, you know, they're just me, there just may be some degree of... Uh, of it being a pissing contest and, and Rupert Murdoch saying like, look, this is at the end of the day, this is my territory and, uh, and you know, fuck you. And, and it might be, just be as yeah. simple as that. Yeah, I see, I, again, knowing Rupert as the businessman and the astute businessman that he is, let's be, yeah. you know, let's be real. The guy is uh, international and he, it's almost like in the TV show Succession, right, yeah. where he's just a titan of this industry. Whether you agree with their positions or not really becomes irrelevant. But I think what Rupert probably did is he probably took out a piece of paper and a pen and scratched out the pros versus the cons. Yeah. Tucker Carlson is a legal fucking liability that if not, if you don't cut the legs off today will go on ad infinitum. And how many more billions can exactly. Fox afford to pay? They could afford to pay this. I don't know if they'll be able to afford to pay Smartmatic and the other five cases that are existing, including, you know, Abby uh, Grossman's, uh, you know, lawsuit uh, against uh, Tucker and, and so on. So who knows? Maybe it had to do with saying, if we get rid of him today, at least we know, for better than likely, that there's not going to be more shit coming down the pike because, as everybody says, Tucker Carlson is absolutely uncontrollable. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think... I, I think uh... <laughs> there may be some degree, too, of like this has been so imbued in Fox's business model for so long from the Roger Ailes of the world to, to Bill O'Reilly to Tucker Carlson. I mean, there has to be a point at which uh, at which 
making these unnecessary or, or unforced errors, these payouts because of these constant sexual harassment suits and just just these things that should not happen at a leg- any semblance of a legitimate news organization. And yet they're happening anyway at Fox and they're happening with such frequency to the point where now uh, I believe uh, if if what I've read was correct, that Fox's uh, that Fox's profits last year were one point two billion. In one fell swoop, the Dominion lawsuit wipes out more than half of that. Like you said, you've got the Smartmatic lawsuit, which is for, you know, uh, uh, 33% more than than the Dominion lawsuit. You've got those shareholder lawsuits because Fox breached this fiduciary duty to its own shareholders by virtue of allowing this bullshit to stand on their network. You've got the Abby Grossberg lawsuit. Um, So there might just be a point at which which the, the legal liabilities... Of, of this company are just so just so far outweigh the actual practice of what this company is supposed to do, which is just to be a news organization or some semblance of a news organization. I mean, you and I can I think we're you know, there's there's no doubt about the legitimacy of the news that they put forward. But this is not an organization that is just there to make money and then pay out immediately because of because of defamation lawsuits and sexual harassment lawsuits. It it kind of defies all logic. So I think there just is some degree of like of like we need some financial viability moving forward and we're not going to be able to do it if if all we're doing right now is covering for the very people who are supposed to make us money and yet instead of that they're just costing us money yeah in those days of the you know of 100 years ago 50 20 years ago where you know the casting couch or that right. the anchor can do or say like in the movie anchor man right yeah. which is a great depiction those days also they were smoking on set those days are all over this workforce harassment is a real issue and it's been proven time and time again i mean this defamation we're terrible in this country when it comes to defamation lawsuits However, I think that what this case is showing is that the courts now take it serious. And I think a lot of it has to do kind of more with your generation and, you know, and even the Gen Zers, you know, the younger generation than yourself. Um, It's just not acceptable anymore. And I think the courts are proving that. Let me ask you this, though, then we'll get off of fucker Carlson for, you know, for the rest of this show. Um, What do you think happens to him? Where do you think he goes? What do you think he does? That is a great question. It can go a few different ways. I mean, I'm sure you have the other networks, the Newsmaxes and the OANs vying for him. Uh, I don't know that Tucker Carlson is going to, you know, uh, stoop beneath himself to go to one of these, I guess, what we would consider a fringe network. I don't know that Newsmax really has the allure uh, for someone like Tucker Carlson who was leading, you know, the... uh, the, the, the biggest show on the biggest conservative network on TV. I think, to be honest, I mean, and I mean, of course, he can go the Alex Jones route, which is to do his own iteration of InfoWars. I think that's going to be a heavy lift, too, because, you know, as we know, it's, it's, it's hard to bring people to a new outlet. And I think a lot of the benefit that Tucker, uh, that Tucker, that Tucker was able to, to, to benefit from is the fact that, you know, this was, this was a, a whole organization and you have people who were fans of 
all the other hosts. You have people who are fans of the Brett Bears and the Sean Hannity's and the Laura Ingram's and the Five. So all of that filtered into his show. It wasn't just people who were watching Tucker mm-hmm. Carlson. It's a lot of the fact that, you know, this channel was just on in every nursing home, in every doctor's waiting room office, and in every and, and plenty of plenty of people's houses across the country. And so that helped him to a degree too. So it's not like people it's not like all of his audience was seeking Tucker Carlson out specifically. I think what may be more likely or what may be possible, I don't know if it's more likely, but like there is a possibility that Tucker could maybe try to start his own network. I mean, there is clearly an appetite for these fringe far-right figures. And uh, and I, I think that Tucker alone, in the audience that does just want to watch him specifically, aside from all those people who just watched Fox because Fox was on, I think that he does have a play to make here to maybe, you know, start his own network. And there's plenty of people who would be, who would be, um, you know, sympathetic to his cause, and could and could also uh, find themselves uh, yeah. find themselves on that network yeah, too. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see that, Brian. To be honest with you, I don't see him starting his own network. I don't think he has the uh, fortitude uh, to actually do it. And taking a look to see, even for example, remember, uh, I mean, when Trump started this whole Truth Social, this is a guy who had he was the former president of the United States yeah. with like a hundred million followers uh, on Twitter and social media. He's got nobody on this untruth social. It's not as easy as people yeah. think that you and, just and go he, there like an Alex Jones. Say what people want about Alex Jones. The guy was captivating. He managed to somehow do it. It's not as easy. It's why every show isn't like, you know, curb your enthusiasm where it's just a hit no matter, you know, whether it's the first show of the first season, or the last show of the last season. It doesn't matter. They're all they're all just great. Yeah, and and you may be completely right. I mean, I'm just I'm just trying to like throw out throw out ideas in terms of what he does. And look, if he ends up not being able to have the platform, if he kind of goes away in the same way that Bill O'Reilly, I'm, Bill O'Reilly has some like website that I'm sure has you know uh, tens of people uh, uh, visiting each day. But like, you know, uh, from from your lips to God's ears, right? In terms of Tucker not being able to reach the same sheer number of people that he's reaching. So I I hope that you're right. But yeah, I mean, there there are some options. It will be interesting. Somewhere deep in my core, as much as it pains me to say it, I don't think that he'll just disappear. Um, but at least I think what we can be sure of is that wherever he ends up, if he ends up somewhere, he won't be able to reach the same number of people that he reaches, uh, that he was able to reach on Fox. And I think that uh, I think that that's a good thing. You know what I was thinking? I was actually I was thinking last night and talking to my wife and my daughter and my son about this while we were having dinner. And I said, I could see Donald asking fucker Carlson to be the vice president, to be his running mate into it. Um, He attracts, obviously, a big enough base. He's a loud mouth. Um, You know, he certainly has shown himself in some respects to be loyal, right, by throwing all those softballs to Donald. Well, loyal Uh, loyal maybe, except except for his text messages where he basically explained how much he hates the guy, but but publicly loyal. Or if not the vice president, then to fill some sort of a communications director position in the campaign. But that, to me, would be a smart move by Donald. And it's something I can see Tucker getting himself involved with because it would still keep him on a national stage. So I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I think I think it would be such a massive miscalculation for someone who already has a problem reaching anybody outside of his base. 
Donald Trump's base, the the 30% of people who he relies on to 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 derive all of his power, uh, that's not enough to win any semblance of a general election. I mean, he he's right now very clearly just trying to win a primary, and that's fine. He has Ron DeSantis in his sights. That's his only priority. But there's going to come a point where if Donald Trump does win the primary uh, and he has to move forward with the general election, having someone like Tucker Carlson, who, by the way, their audiences, if this was a Venn diagram, it would just be a circle. Their audiences already overlap. That's he doesn't he doesn't fill any void in Donald Trump's uh, in, in, in Donald Trump's and the people that Donald Trump needs to win this election. So having a guy who's trafficked openly in white supremacy with the great the great replacement theory in anti-Semitism in xenophobia in uh, in misogyny. I, I don't think that that's the person that Donald Trump needs to be able to finally, you know, eke out those few more percentage points that he would that he would uh, that he would require in terms of but Brian, an actual election. But but Brian, that is Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a racist, sexist, misogynistic, but xenophobic, he had, he had homophobic. Like Mike Pence. I understand that. I understand that. But hold one second here, because it's Donald right now that's on trial for a civil case of E. Jean Carroll, which is a rape case. Um, it's the same. It's the same person. But I say, I say, bringing Tucker in because let me tell you what's going on in Donald's head. Donald knows, based upon being a twice impeached, now indicted, on trial, right? He's got multiple litigations that are ensuing and coming down the pipe, including the theft of, you know, documentation that didn't belong to him, top secret documentation. He has the case popping up, uh, hopefully one of these days, the January 6th insurrection. You start seeing the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers now turning against Donald he realized his general election is nearly impossible for him to win, except for one thing. There's so many people out there that are afraid if Joe Biden wins, right, and it becomes the nominee, which he's likely to be automatically, yeah. he'll be 82 when this, when this starts, all right? A lot of people are nervous about it. I hear it from not just Republicans, but I hear it from Democrats and people who supported Biden for the last 30, 40 years. They're like, he's old. Even his announcement lacked energy. Whereas you have this orange-crusted Mandarin Mussolini out there fighting like a fucking 30-year-old. Say what yeah. you want about the guy. He's in, I, I think he's fucking mentally insane. But yeah. he has the energy to fight. Joe Biden got up there on that announcement. It, everybody said to me, "What he, he is an absolutely decent human being. He has empathy for people. He has empathy for situations. He has care and love in his heart, something that Donald does not. But he has no energy. And I think Donald feels as long as he can get the nomination that when you're sitting in that voting booth, you may be thinking twice about a guy who's going to be 82 years old when he starts that term, a second term. And that may be enough. That may be yeah. enough. I, I, would, I would presume that it is that, that very energy and that very loudness that's espoused by Donald Trump that's actually going to redound to his disadvantage, not to his benefit in this situation. Because... I think you can have a guy who, yes, is old, and I think you can have uh, most people who say, like, 
you know, if depending on what these polls say, you can say you can have people that say like he's he's too old. That's a problem for me. But at the end of the day, these elections, this is it's binary, right? The choice is binary, and so it's not just that Joe Biden. It's not just that your opinions happen uh, with regard to Joe Biden in a vacuum. It's 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 an it's a choice between two people, and so you can say I think you have people who can who can say that yeah Joe Biden his age is a problem for me, but at the end of the day when they walk into a polling booth and the choice is between Joe Biden who people have issues with his age or Donald Trump a twice impeached now uh, um, uh, you know guy on trial right now like you were saying for rape um, uh, I think people are going to be able to to to. To split up those two things and be able to say yes, while 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 Joe Biden's age might be an issue for me, it's not. It's it's certainly not even close to being um, in the same ballpark as someone like Donald Trump. And so I think you know, just in terms of this election being a binary choice between two people, um, when it comes to 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 someone like Joe Biden or Donald Trump, I, I'm not worried at the end of the day about someone saying, well, Joe Biden's too old, so I'm going to just have to hold my nose and vote for the guy who uh, who tried to incite an insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. I, I have yeah. I have a lot more faith in people um, than than that, basically. I mean, I've even heard Democrats turn around and say it's a real problem for them. And I'm talking about real Democrats. I'm not talking about the fake ones. I'm talking about real Democrats that continuously vote Democrat uh, down the line where they said, you know, a vote for Joe Biden and a second term is really a vote for Kamala Harris. And while they may be fans of Joe Biden, they're not fans of Kamala's. And, you know, we'll get to that in a, in a minute. But let me ask you this question for a second, because there's been a special master now assigned to investigate how Fox may have criminally obstructed their most recent defamation lawsuit with Dominion. Now, tell me if I'm wrong. But don't the wheels seem to be coming off of the big lie and that the people who pushed it by proxy? Yeah, I think the wheels have been off the big lie since the moment it started happening in terms of people. I think, you know, to, to, to Democrats' credit or to the pro-democracy factions' credit, uh, people have been able to call. I mean, just the fact that we that that the the moniker, the big lie has stuck is a testament to our benefit to our advantage in, in terms of messaging this thing. And, and, you know, people will, will complain about Democrats messaging abilities from now until the, to the end of time. But I think in this instance, the way the Democrats or the way that the pro pro democracy faction of, of Americans were able to label this thing, the big lie right off the bat shows that there was always an understanding of exactly what this was. Um, I think that, you know, in terms of the wheels coming off this thing, I mean, the wheels were, were off when, when Republicans went to court, and they lost 60 court cases, including in front of what? It was eight Trump appointed judges and three mm -hmm. of those who were on the Supreme Court. Uh, there was there, there was never any there there. And I think people I think people recognize that right away. I mean, even these people were were basically going. I mean, just the idea that that the best the right wing had was to claim that this was some false flag operation by the FBI. I mean, it's so steeped in lunacy and and ridiculousness that just listening to it beyond just those you know 20% of of people who are just you know their audience who's just high on their own supply just just listening to it for a regular person you can see that it doesn't pass the smell test that this thing that this all of all of their justifications for January 6 were just so ridiculous that uh that that there was no way that anybody could ever take the, I mean you had you had 
add on Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani with his with his hair melting in front of the Four Seasons Hotel. I mean, the whole thing was such a circus. It 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 hurt them so much in terms of having any any claims to 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 this being legitimate in any way that I, I think uh, I think that they started to recognize that. And I think that's why they bounced from one justification to another before ultimately just kind of letting this thing fall by the wayside because they knew that there, there was no there was no way that you can justify what happened on January 6th. So so, yes, that's the minion lawsuit is going to is only going to add to that. There's a reason that Fox settled. There's a reason they didn't want this stuff, this trial being aired. Um, but. But to that point, a lot of what Dominion, a lot of where Dominion left off is where Smartmatic is going to pick up. And so this thing isn't out of the news cycle right now. I'm sure not only are we going to hear a lot of a lot of what we already heard uh, in terms of these text messages between Fox hosts being being exposed from the Dominion lawsuit. I'm sure we'll have more from the Smartmatic lawsuit. And so I hope this thing gets dragged out because I think, uh, you know, sun, sunshine is the best disinfectant. And I think uh, people have a right to know exactly exactly what the people who were feeding them these lies thought about it behind the scenes. Yeah, well, actually, the best disinfectant, according to Donald, is not sunlight, right? It's, uh, you know, it's um, bleach, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, it's disinfectant. You could just, you know, somehow inject it because you've, I mean, it's, yeah. I, 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 and I, I listen, you know, to some of these magas at these rallies that, you know, get trolled by like uh, the Walter Mathesons and so on. And you can't believe that people, actually say the shit that they say they just regurgitate the stupidity um of you know of i guess the tucker carlson's and so on but not only was tucker carlson let go the other day but don lemon was let go from cnn as well and some say that it's because that he wasn't a good fit for their sort of lightweight morning show or whatever it was but since chris lick took over the network, I mean, they've been trying to move more right, right, and so on, to make the network more, I know this is going to sound crazy, but Fox viewer friendly. So clearly CNN sees that Fox is losing a stronghold and that people are so sick of all of this shit. Um, the lies, the fact that there are these text messages talking about how stupid their viewers are, that they're buying into this bullshit, that... CNN is trying to pick off this group of um, runners, right, away from Fox, thinking that they'll come to CNN if CNN is more centrist and even possibly right of center. I don't see that happening. I, I don't, when I say I don't see it happening, it is happening. I personally see it myself, where CNN, for example, they bring on like Ty Cobb, who's always on Aaron Burnett. Ty Cobb is not the person that should be on CNN. He's one of the Trump groupies that sits there and fucking lies. He sits there and he talks nasty shit about me all the time um, when people don't even realize that he was part of that email chain that is the reason why I had to plead guilty to the 1001 violation when I lied to, to Congress about the number of times I spoke to Trump about the real estate. He was involved in the crafting of that document as well. He certainly read it. He was on the email chain. But yet they have him there as an opinion on all things bad being done by the Democrats. I don't understand what, what CNN is doing. And I think that they're going to lose um, both their viewers. And I don't think they're going to pick up 
too many of foxes, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with you there. I there is this like there's this there's this move by certain outlets to well, okay, let's just talk about CNN for a moment. I, I think this idea that CNN is going to move to the right and like pick off these Fox viewers is so misguided. I think what's actually going to happen is CNN is just going to validate a lot of these right wing talking points in an effort, in an effort to pull these Fox viewers. They're not going to be able to do it. But then Fox and Fox's viewers will be able to point to that and say, look, we're right. Even CNN did it. And CNN is fake news. But they're right. They're validating us. So we might we must be right. So so it'll validate Fox. It'll validate these right wing talking points. Fox will use that to their advantage. But nobody's defecting away from Fox to go watch CNN. Fox has Fox has done the right wing has done such a good job in making making your 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 political affiliation a part of your identity. And so I think if these people who identify as Republicans as Fox viewers through and through, just because someone made an overture, those people at CNN made overtures to them by like being a little bit more right wing. They're not going to defect from from something as as strong as their identity to move over to CNN just because CNN just because they saw some some pro right, uh, um, you know, overtures on CNN. They're just going to use that to their advantage. And they're going to say, thanks, CNN. You're still fake news. But thanks. We'll take the compliments. And that's going to be it. And so what's in effect going to ha- going to happen is that they're going to get they're going to get the middle finger from these Fox viewers, despite their mm-hmm. overtures, and they're going to get the middle finger from their left wing viewers who are going to say, what the fuck is this? We we see what's happening. We see this blatant pandering to the right uh, at a time when democracy is in such peril. What the, the business decision, business decision that you've decided to make was was to, to pander to the right wing, the same party who's now trying to justify an insurrection, the same party that's trying to suppress voters around the country, the same party that's stripping women of their bodily autonomy and that's that's uh, banning books and vilifying LGBT kids and just on and on. That's who you're that's who you're pandering to at this time in history right now. They're going to say, fuck you. And so CNN is going to going to alienate its viewers on on the left and they're not going to have make any inroads from their viewers on the right. But but look, I'm no uh, you know, I'm no media mogul. And so 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 what do I know? But uh, but I think they're going to see pretty soon that that this road that they've taken really, really isn't going to isn't going to come back and, and benefit them in any way. Yeah, and, you know, and it's not just Fox, it's not just CNN, it's all of these platforms have these inherent problems with them where, you know, they're trying to grow and grow and grow past what they are and what they um, are expected to be. I mean, for example, you know, how many of these same people, I'm on Twitter, Right. And you're on Twitter also. We both have quite a significant number of followers. But then you start to look to see over the course of the last, say, month or so, the number of followers that I've picked up is extraordinary. And mostly because the bulk of them are bots. Right. And this is a problem that I actually had an opportunity to speak um, with Elon Musk about. Uh, It was on Twitter. There was a forum and I was one of the speakers. There were five of us. And I asked him, what are you going to do about the influx of bots and these bot farms that are promoting this misinformation, disinformation, malinformation? They change the conversation and they attack in with such animosity and such vulgarity and so on. And look, I, I'm, you know, I'm not one to mix words, you know, to mince words <laughs> either. But yeah. it's funny because anytime, like, um, for example, I was sued, as you know, uh, for $500 million by Donald Trump in uh, 
Adam Parkmenko from American Patriot put together a GoFundMe. It's doing very, very well. We're not where we need to be for this case, not even close. But the number of people, or I should say number of Twitter accounts that you're a fucking liar, 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 right? Um, you know, you raped in prison, you know, you're just a crybaby, and they all use the same thing. They all somehow seem to be veterans. They all somehow, and they all have like three, five, seven, eleven followers. Yeah. Um, they never have a photo of a person. It's always either a letter uh, or uh, Donald, you know, in one of his um, NFT poses. And it's yeah. all fake. But what they do is they swarm to all of your um, tweets for the sole purpose of changing the conversation. And yet Elon Musk, who you know, is able to do such incredible things, right, technologically, we can't figure out a way to get rid of all of these bots, to stop these bot farms from interfering with open discourse conversation. I mean, that to me is a tragedy because this platform is widely used. And it's a real way that people get information. The problem, again, is when you start to deal, you know, uh, with and you're fighting, you can't fight these bot farms. So you go ahead, you block them, you get rid of them. But it doesn't make a difference because they're doing it, Brian, to you. They're doing it to, you know, Joe Biden's uh, Twitter account. They're doing it to anyone that they're paid to go after. It's really a terrible mess. And it's to me, the same thing, it's the same mistake that I think CNN is making by trying to move over to the right in order to pick it up. It's the same thing that I think Elon Musk is making by allowing these bot farms to exist. And the worst part is what he did now with these blue checks. Anybody that has, like yourself or myself, I won't pay for a blue check for verification. Yeah. Why would I when for $8, a guy who is uh, a bot you know, who has a bot farm, goes ahead and for $8, he can now verify a bot. It's, it's stupid. It's worthless. Well, and also there's, there's the point, uh, which is just a point of principle for me, is I'm not going to pay to create content for your platform when that is the value in the platform. I mean, I'm on, I'm on every platform. I'm on YouTube and Facebook and Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, and, uh, and of course, Twitter. But no one forces me as a content creator to pay for the privilege of then making content which imbues that platform with its value. It just, it, it's completely antithetical to the whole point. And so, yes, it's, sure, it's only $8. And it's not, people keep trying to make this claim that like, oh, it's just a cup of coffee. It doesn't matter if it was five cents. I'm not going to pay to create content for your platform when the point of the platform is that it's valuable because of the content that's on it. So... There's that, first of all. The second of all, the second point is like, yeah, of course, the whole the whole point of verification is turned on its head because all verification stands for now is that you've paid. And there is no I mean, we call it verification. It's not verifying anything other than the fact that you have paid money, but it doesn't verify your identity. There's no there's no more value left in it. It's just basically it's just basically a sign that says I've paid to hold this sign. So so there's that. But but to your larger point about uh, about the replies. I think what's especially interesting now or what's especially sad and pathetic now is that 
the replies from those people who have paid, who are overwhelmingly, you know, right wingers, uh, uh, Elon fans, whatever they are, they, they generally fall in the same category. The demographics are super similar. Their, their replies are now prioritized. And so whereas you had people mm-hmm. who previously were able to have their, their replies prioritized or their tweets prioritized based on the fact that they were good at what they did, which was good at tweeting, good at creating that content. Now you just have people who've basically paid to make sure that their tweets are prioritized just by virtue of of nothing more than I guess their 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 demographics, which are, you know, they're they're mostly male, they're mostly Elon fans, they're mostly right wingers. And sure, there's a ton of misogyny and homophobia and anti-Semitism, all all kind of um that pervades this this demographic. And so so that's what you're seeing right now. So I, I would just I would just caution to people that are looking at this stuff on on Twitter, especially right now, this isn't, you know, these people have an outsized voice, and this is a recurring theme on the right, by the way, this, this, this notion of an outsized voice, of this minority of, of overwhelmingly white, male, young, uh, homophobic, misogynistic, xenophobic, anti-Semitic people who have an outsized voice in our political process. But this isn't, you know, this is not by any means the majority of people. These people represent just, just you know, the, the Elon faction of Twitter, but this isn't this isn't actually the majority. These people aren't don't represent some majoritarian faction uh, 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 of opinion. These are just some Elon fans. So I would caution for anybody looking at the replies of tweets. You'll see all these blue checks who are just, you know, uh, giving exactly the responses you would expect from Elon fans. But that doesn't represent the majority of people on that platform. Yeah, well, it's a big problem because the conversation gets changed very quickly, you know, by these bots and by these right wingers. And and they, as you said, they get priority, which I don't know another platform then to, to run to uh, so that well, you well, can look, I, actually have a conversation. I don't um, mind if you and I, Brian, disagree. I actually encourage disagreement because that way somebody learns or both parties learn. The yeah. problem, though, is you don't learn by somebody turning and saying, oh, well, you're a fucking convicted liar. Yeah. Yes, but what you're doing is yeah. you're leaving off the second half of that statement, which is I did it at the direction of in coordination with and for the benefit of your Fuhrer. Yeah. So, yeah, while yeah. I did lie, and again, let's remember again what the lie was, the number of times that I spoke to Donald about a failed real estate project, something that Ty Cobb was included on that you know, um, on the creation of that document, despite him, of course, being continuously on uh, CNN. Nobody turns around and says, you know, um, well, you weren't lying when you said that Donald doesn't beat Melania, right, which I did in open, uh, openly in front of the House Oversight, or that there is no P-tape, uh, you know, of Donald in Russia having prostitutes urinate on the bed because Barack yeah. Obama, you know, there I'm telling the truth, but everything else is lie, lie, lie. And they right. just go on and on and they ruin a conversation. And that's the problem. They ruin, they, they ruin the ability for the two parties to engage in discourse, peaceful and non-asshole type of discourse whereby you can have a conversation and learn something. You learn nothing from these bots. I would I would say two things to that. The first is that I think that we uh, 
I think we overestimate our ability to actually have a conversation on Twitter. I, I don't think that anybody's hearts and minds are being changed on Twitter. I think that Twitter is there so that we can have a megaphone for our own ideas, but I don't think anybody ever logged on. T Look, I really don't think anybody logs on Twitter having thought one thing in the morning and then based on some based on some, you know, open dialogue, think something else in the evening. I, I, I truly don't. I think that everyone is in their own camps. And I think you can use Twitter as an, as an effective means of communication and messaging. And it can give you a really good uh, a sense of feedback in terms of what messaging is effective. And then you can use that more broadly on other platforms. But I really don't think that Twitter is I, I think we overestimate the value of Twitter because of its its soft influence. I mean, all media figures are on there, all politicians are on there, and so it is important, and it's important to hear from people directly um, and immediately. But I I, I don't I, th I do think that we're overestimating the value of being able to change hearts and minds on Twitter. To that point, I think there are obviously other better uh, other platforms that are better in terms of actually reaching and persuading other people. That's why I spend most of my time on YouTube these days. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, I was a Twitter addict through and through. You could not find someone who spent more of an unhealthy amount of their day on Twitter.com <laughs> than me. And, uh, and in a way, this Elon takeover, because now I, I, I don't, I'm not able to see who's quote tweeted, I'm not able to really see who's replied. It's just like you said, it's everything is buried under an avalanche of, of, of bots and right wingers and people calling me, you know, a groomer and this and that. I mean, it's, it's exactly the shit you would imagine. So it's pushed me away from the platform because I don't know how to engage with it anymore. It's not worth it. I'm not going to respond to these people, you know, who, who are just yelling groomer all day long. So I spent more time on other platforms anyway. I spend more time on YouTube. And guess what? YouTube is the second biggest platform in the world. And that is a way that I can reach people. That is a way that I can change hearts and minds and persuade people and reach young people who maybe weren't involved in the political process before. But now, by virtue of watching one, two, five, ten, twenty of my videos, maybe you're saying, okay, look, uh, I wasn't, I, you know, I was ignorant to this stuff before, but now I get it. Now I want to go out and vote. Now I can get registered. That's more important for me anyway. So in a way, the Elon thing has been a blessing because uh, it has allowed me to kind of shift my focus onto other platforms. And these other platforms, I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest, are a hell of a lot more effective in terms of what I'm trying to do in politics than Twitter is. Okay, good. So let me get back here for a quick second to Kamala Harris, because as I said before, you know, a lot of people are afraid of her as the replacement for Joe Biden, God forbid. Now, Kamala has been much more, you know, front and center lately. If you've if you've seen that and you're watching television, I mean, she had a very successful, uh, successful trip to Africa. She went to Tennessee to support the Tennessee three. And she also seems to be leading the abortion rights movement. Do you think that Kamala is finally finding her footing as vice president? And this will help maybe to change some people's minds that, God forbid, something did happen uh, to the president, that she would be competent to take over? Yeah, look, of course, of course, she would be competent to take. I think this idea that she's not going to be able to take over. I mean, these people are surrounded by brilliant people who are all experts in their fields. Of course, Kamala would be fine to take over. The fact is that, first of all, job of vice president is the most miserable job that you could possibly ask for. Uh, and you get stuck with all the shit that the president doesn't want to deal with. But second of all, regardless of who it is, that person would get attacked in the same way that that they try to attack Joe Biden. Here's the difference. Joe Biden is so difficult for these right-wingers to attack because 
what can you land on him? You know, they, 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 again, going back to the whole groomer thing, that's like, they, they try to, they try to pin him with that stuff. They try to pin him with the Hunter Biden stuff. All of it is so tenuous. All of it doesn't stick to the point where that is why, that is why Joe Biden is so, is so, um, is such a difficult adversary for the right because they don't have anything in the same way that they had, uh, like the Hillary Clinton stuff on, on Joe Biden. And so, all they can do is kind of lean all of their attacks on Kamala Harris instead. And by the way, if it wasn't Kamala Harris, regardless of who it was, they would attack like crazy anyway, regardless of whether it was a legitimate mm-hmm. attack or an illegitimate attack. It doesn't matter who it is. They will attack people who have a platform of the Democratic Party, whether it's Nancy Pelosi or Hillary Clinton or AOC. It doesn't matter if you have a pulse and they view you as being powerful. They will attack you. So this idea that, you know, from my perspective on the left, that Kamala Harris is some is some um, uh, dead weight on the on the Democratic ticket ignores the fact that regardless of who it was, these Republicans would attack because they recognize that that person has power. And so if it was if it was Stacey Abrams, they'd attack her. If it was AOC, they would attack her. If it was any other white male Democrat, they would attack him. It doesn't matter who it is. And I think so. So I try not to focus on these attacks because I think. Uh, uh, um, that kind of redounds to Republicans' benefit in terms of uh, seeding the narrative to them. And, and instead of just focusing, you know, in terms of what I do, just focusing on what Democrats have been able to accomplish, which, you know, in the last two years has been a hell of a lot more than anything Republicans were able to accomplish in their, in their four years uh, in the White House. Florida Republicans, they're moving to pass a bill that will allow doctors and insurance companies to deny care to LGBTQ plus people, to minorities and to women if they feel that their existence violates their moral beliefs. I mean, they're calling it, I mean, this is crazy shit here. They're calling it conscience-based objections. You think that finally voters will wake the fuck up and realize that these sorts of bigoted laws are coming from the Republican Party? Yeah, absolutely. I do. I think that these people... When? When? Look, we saw in this past election, uh, uh, Michael, we had an election in 2022 where Joe Biden's approval rating was completely underwater. We were dealing with sky-high inflation Everything should point to the fact that Republicans should have had a massive red wave. This was a midterm election cycle where the party in power controlled every branch of government. Again, garbage approval rating, sky high inflation, and yet Democrats were able to keep the Senate. Uh, they were able to stave off that that red wave to just a handful of Republican uh, 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 lawmakers in the House. Like that is a, a direct testament to the fact that people are recognizing how extreme the Republican Party is. This Dobbs decision was handed down and uh, people recognize that it's the Republicans' fault. This extremism is on them. And so for the for the GOP to see that, to see uh, those election results, and it's not just in 2022 because the extremism was presenting itself in 2020 and to a small smaller degree in 2018, but Republicans lost all of those election cycles. So the fact that the, the GOP can see that and instead of like changing course, decide, you know what we're going to do? We're going to, we're going to keep plowing forward. We're going to keep enacting 15 week abortion bans, then six week abortion bans, which is what Ron DeSantis did in Florida. We're going to start attacking the LGBT community. We're going to complain about wokeness. We're going to ban books from schools. We're going to, we're going to claim that, that you can, that we're going to implement bounty systems where you can uh, try to have uh, women prosecuted for the crime of seeking reproductive health care. So, so 
look, we've seen this in a few cycles already. I absolutely think that people recognize that the extremism is there. I think that uh, this younger generation especially recognizes this stuff when it happens. They know that these book bans are being perpetuated by the right. They know that these abortion bans are being perpetuated by the right. They know that these attacks on the LGBT community are being perpetuated by the right. And this is a generation, mind you, that is overwhelmingly pro-LGBT. Um, so, so, you know, I think we saw it in 2022. You'd be blind to, to, to claim that we haven't already seen the effects of Republican extremism and, and the, and the, the hits that that party has taken because of it. And, uh, and because they continue to traffic in this stuff, um, and continue their lunge off the far right. Like I, 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 I promise you, man, I think it's, it's people are paying attention and it's only going to get worse for them. Okay. So Brian, look, you and I, have spoken in the past um, about Democrats have an opportunity to right the ship in 2024. But our messaging, Democrats' messaging, just doesn't seem right to filter down to Republicans. Even, even the more, we'll call them moderate, you know, Republicans. They just, it just doesn't. And not even a lot of Democrats know how successful that the Biden administration has been. I mean, you just mentioned it, that for the last two years, more has been accomplished than Trump in his four, right? In fact, it would have been more than if Trump was in for eight. Yeah. So what do we need to do? I mean, seriously, what do we need to do to get through to voters? And what message would you personally focus on? Yeah, so there's a... There's an Al Franken joke where he says, uh, you know, you have a bumper sticker and it has a list of Democratic accomplishments. And he says, uh, for more accomplishments, see next bumper sticker. And so that's what that's what Democrats, you know, I think that that for a long time has been our issue. It's like, oh, well, we've, you know, and we we could fall into the trap of, of and, I, and I do it sometimes, of saying like, oh, look, in the last two years, we've passed the CHIPS Act, the PACT Act, the American Rescue Plan. We've done the, the bipartisan gun package, the infrastructure bill. Um, but I, I think the important thing here to your to your point is to focus on the things that really impact people. And that is the issue of abortion, which Republicans, for some for some reason that defies logic, have continued to, to be extreme on. So just to focus on the issue of abortion, to focus on the issues of Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, and their, their proclivity to, to cut earned benefits. And even after that was such a major issue um, as we were gearing up for this debt ceiling fight, we have basically every single Republican on record for five minutes. They were like, oh, we want to we want to protect Social Security and, and, and Medicare. And even during the State of the Union, they stood up and they were like when, when Joe Biden uh, called them out for wanting to cut those programs, they were like, you're a liar. And he was like, well, then y'all agree with me. We're not going to cut it. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And they clapped and everything. And then we came right back out afterwards. And they're like, you know what we got to do? We got to tackle the issue of Social Security and Medicare. Once we tackle that issue, we'll really be able to get the debt under control. So they that lasted five minutes before they finally dropped all pretense, and went right back, uh, you know, reverted right back to their to their usual talking point of trying to cut those earned benefits. But those are potent issues. And I think if we focus on the issue of abortion, the issue of protecting Social Security and Medicare, and and then finally, just this issue of extremism and protecting democracy. And I know that, you know, the big brains in the media love to pretend that that's not an issue that people care about because it's not a, an economic issue. It's not a kitchen table issue. People care. And if you look at polling or if you look at exit polling, especially, that is one of the main issues that people care about. And you have a lot of these Reagan Republicans, a lot of these moderate Republicans who see what's happening, who see these bans, who see these this massive government overreach that 
reasonable people know defies the very fabric of what these Republicans claim to be, which is small government. Uh, and then they move right, right, right forward in terms of taking away your rights, in terms of being exactly the opposite of what they claim to be. I think a lot of people recognize that. And the fact is, if we need, a, we, we all need like the shared foundation of government to actually work, to be able to get what we want. And once we, once, whether you're on the right or left, once we relinquish that, um, then it does. Then, then people have no more control anymore, anyway. And I think Republicans realize that. I think even regular Republicans realize that. So, so you know, I, I think you know, in terms of messaging, the issues of abortion are going to be extremely important, especially for young people. The issue of Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security are going to be important, especially for older folks, and then for everyone. Just this issue of extremism and protecting democracy. I think those are the three that we focus on, um, and uh, and I, I think that'll really benefit us moving forward in this election. But those are issues that people understand, they know about, they're not nebulous. It's not walking around trying to say, you know, vote for me because of build back better. These are real issues that people that people ha uh, 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 have an emotional connection to that impacts their lives. And I think that uh, that that, you know, that's bared itself out in 2022 and it's going to continue to do so in 2024. Uh, let's hope. But since you brought up the debt ceiling, I wanted to ask you this, because this debt ceiling showdown, it's, it's just about to get underway. And McCarthy still doesn't have the votes to get his package passed in the House. Now, predict, if you will, how do you think it's going to go? Do you think that the government will shut down again? Or, you know, do you think that Biden will prevail? I, I think I don't think the government will shut down. I think Kevin McCarthy would have to be a degree of stupid that I can't even wrap my head around to let the global economy collapse. Because let's be clear, that is what will happen. If we default on our debt, which if, if memory serves correct, we've never done, uh, for Kevin McCarthy nope. to allow the Marjorie Taylor Greens of that party to lead him on a leash and allow the global economy to crater, allow the US dollar to crater, allow everyone's 40ks to turn to shit allow everyone's stock portfolios to turn to shit allow everyone's businesses to 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 plummet all which impacts all of those CEOs who support the Republican party he would have to be a degree of stupid that i cannot wrap my head around so no i don't think that kevin mccarthy will allow this to happen i think he'll blink um i do think that joe biden will prevail in this what kevin mccarthy is doing right now is just wasting some fucking time because he's putting forward a budget that no one's going to accept. It basically wipes away all the democratic priorities that were passed in the Inflation Reduction Act. It undoes the funding to the IRS, which is solely there to help catch ultra wealthy tax cheats. Like that's that's your mess. It's it, these budgets are a statement of values. If your message to the voters is our goal here is to make sure that wealthy tax cheats can continue to not pay taxes, which then fund all of these programs that help Americans, like so be it. But people recognize that. So, no, I, I think that Kevin McCarthy is wasting time because he's trying to make sure that he doesn't get um, get his speakership revoked by the Marjorie Taylor Greens. But but no, I think at the end of the day, uh, uh, this is just a fool's errand. And even Kevin McCarthy, for as dumb as that guy is, I don't think would would step in the on the landmine that would be allowing uh, the debt ceiling to, to not be lifted. Yeah, I'm just not sure whether or not he actually has the ability to stop it. Because you're right, the fools like the Marjorie Taylor Greens and that entire rat pack of um, people who somehow we call members of Congress. Uh, I really do. I believe that, I hate to say it, I believe that they think 
that by fucking up this country will show Biden to be weak as a leader and hence why you need somebody like a Trump. That's just that's just what I believe. And I agree with you. It would be a disaster for McCarthy. But I don't think I think he's merely a puppet. I don't think he has any power. He has no control over either side. He's just a guy who's placating both sides to save his job and nothing more than that. Kevin McCarthy's priority is Kevin McCarthy and nothing else. Yeah, and that's not the way that this country is going to, you know, continue to be the country that we are. Uh, it's, It's a nightmare and... That's exactly what they want. They are the party of chaos. So look, Brian, the hour goes by quick. I have one last question for you. Sure. Russian disinformation appears, in my opinion, to be making a comeback. Or maybe even worse is that it never left. Sergei Lavrov is out there stumping for Putin. Matt Taibbi seems to be shilling for him too. And then we... We've heard, and I don't know if it's true or not, but we've heard that Russian TV offered Tucker Carlson a job after he was fired from Fox. Yeah. In your opinion, will the Putin worship fade if Trump is not the nominee? And what's in it for Republicans other than the money? I can't figure this out. Yeah, well, what's in it is that they know that they can benefit from these efforts by Republic, by uh, uh, by the Putin faction of these of these Russians to to help them. That's why. I mean, it, it it's it's a transactional relationship, and so they know that that when these these disinformation campaigns happen and they emanate from Russia, these troll farms come out of Russia. It, it always redounds to Republicans' benefit, and so. So because because these Russians are willing to help the GOP, the GOP is then willing to help the Russians. And so I think that that's why. Will the Putin worship fade? Probably. I think it's soft anyway. I don't think any voters are going to the polls with with, you know, pro-Putin stances being the number one thing on their mind. That's not a litmus test issue within the Republican Party. I think, to be honest, the reason that a lot of these that a lot of these Republicans are are pro-Putin is just because Democrats are anti-Putin. And, and that's the way that politics is right now. I mean, you can you can be like anti-childhood cancer and then you would have people on the right holding up signs on the side of the road saying that they saying that they want, uh, you know, that they're pro-childhood cancer. It's just it's the the, the conflict for so many of these people is the point. Um, but again, I think that this is this is kind of a soft issue for Republicans. And uh, and once we are able to allow our platforms to get this kind of stuff under control, I think Republicans will find very little use uh, for their pro-Putin rhetoric moving forward. But with that said, there's also the fact that, you know, a lot of these people are pro-authoritarian. Uh, the Don- Donald Trump has never has never um, praised most of these Western leaders, these democratically elected Western leaders, but he comes out and overtly praises Xi and Erdogan and Putin and uh, and Kim Jong Un. Like this is Bin Salman, and yeah, th- this is this is like uh, um, you know, kind of shows the the proclivity of these Republicans to embrace these quote unquote strongmen, these authoritarians. That should be a giant warning signal to anybody who claims to be like a constitutionalist, a lo- like th- some some lover of law and order. But but uh, you know the the hypocrisy never stopped them before, so it doesn't look like it's going to stop them now. No, it doesn't. But Brian, let me thank you for joining. You know, one of the things that you do you do so well is the messaging, uh, whether it's YouTube or even, you know, even on 
that platform that we're having a hard time with, uh, Twitter yeah. and so on. So, you know, keep it up because somewhere along the line, whether it's Maya Culpa, I have another um, I have another podcast called Political Beatdown where, you know, we're we're doing numbers better than CNN and MSNBC, which I think is, or, or Fox. Well, not Fox. I mean, their, their numbers are actually uh, still higher, but we're doing incredible numbers. And why? Because there's no bullshit. There's no spin onto it. Right? We're not making the stuff up. It's not opinion. It's factual. Here's what the New York Times, now you may not like the New York Times. You may not like the Wall Street Journal. You may not like the Post. You may like only you know, um, Fox, Fox's digital reporting. The point is, that's your prerogative to disagree with what legitimate journalists are saying. It's not your prerogative to turn around and to say, well, it's not true because it's not coming from, for example, Fox Digital. And that's yeah. the point that, you know, I think, and it's the point that I really truly believe that your programs, that, you know, my political beatdown with Ben Micellis and my, uh, Midas Touch um, on their network, that these are the things that people will ultimately come to in order to sort of find a space where legitimate dialogue can be had and legitimate discourse in beliefs can be had. We're not finding it on mainstream networks anymore. And it's really sad and it's pathetic. And I thank you for everything that you're doing. And as more of this bullshit continues to come around, obviously, Brian, love to have you back. Well, I'll be happy to come back. Michael, thanks for, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Speak to you soon, my friend. And now for today's mea culpa. I don't necessarily like to pile on when someone hits a rough patch. I don't take a great deal of pleasure in someone being ridiculed or fired, unless it's Trump, of course, because he's got it coming to him. But the quick and deadly firing of fucker Carlson is one of the best things to happen to America in a very long time. And it comes on the heels of the Dominion lawsuit tearing a fucking hole in the veil that has shrouded Fox News for far too long. And now we can all see the truth. They lied more than they ever told the truth. They lied with impunity and worse, with pleasure. Because the real truth is, they hate their audience, but they sure like the money and the blind loyalty. And because they are promoted by Carlson, by Hannity and the gang, Magadonas fill up the coffers of radical Republicans who were in the league with Fox. So my friends, you get it? It's one big circle jerk. Politicians are absolutely in on the grift. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. So, now finally, after too many years of dominating cable news, fucker Carlson is out of prime time. I mean, ding dong, the wicked witch is dead. But let's talk about the damage that he's inflicted upon the American public just in this last year. He continued to lie about the COVID-19 vaccination and implored his viewers not to get it, despite being vaxxed himself. And I'm sure people died taking his advice. But Tucker didn't care. Tucker exploited Kanye West at the height of his most recent mental breakdown. And what did this asshole do? He aired the interview despite it being riddled with anti-Semitism, a declaration that white lives matter, and a disgusting screed against his former wife and her family. 
Kanye went on and he fat shamed Lizzo for God's sakes. And Tucker, what did he do? Well, of course, he aired it. Because fucker Carlson was, and I'm sure that he still is, he's the worst kind of fucking newsman. He's what they used to call a muckracker. Because his stories traffic in dirt and lies. Propaganda and more lies. He defends Putin and Putin's unprovoked war against Ukraine like he's a paid Russian asset. Why? Well, because he probably is. He treats our military like trash, especially our women in uniform. Now, Carlson never served a day in uniform, but he was rejected by the CIA when he applied there. Perhaps that's why he bashes them at every turn. He was directly responsible for radicalizing the white nationalists who killed 11 people in a Buffalo grocery store. And if you don't believe me, read the kid's manifesto. Tucker was his guy. He was his guru, his reason for killing. Tucker blamed Mexicans and the border crisis for the murder of schoolchildren in Uvalde. And perhaps his most egregious error was his attempt to reframe the January 6th insurrection as a peaceful protest. With Kevin McCarthy's help, by the way. But Tucker told his followers that Trump's plot to overthrow our government was no big deal. Go back to sleep, sheeple. Keep your treasonous MAGA values intact because Tucker says it's okay to storm the Capitol and hate your neighbors. Tucker also says that it's okay to put women's lives in danger because in Tucker's tiny, misogynistic mind, abortion is wrong and women are stupid. And then just a week ago or so, he maligned members of the Tennessee Three in a manner so fucking vile, so blatantly fucking racist that I'm surprised they didn't fire him then and there. And then his last big interview with Elon Musk to call it a clusterfuck is too nice. It was just two men on TV saying absolutely nothing. So I ask you, what sort of person manipulates and lies to his own adoring fans? Well, I'll tell you, a self-righteous prick who thought that he was too big to fail. That's who. But guess what, fucko Carlson? You fucking failed, and you failed big. Or as Donald would say, you failed bigly. Three strikes and you're fucking out, and good riddance. And as far as I'm concerned, fuck off. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. And did I say fuck off, Tucker Carlson? Because that's what I meant, fuck off forever. But to Tucker's audience, just want to say, when the brainwashing wears off, consider becoming a Democrat. Consider listening to this show. Consider listening to Political Beatdown. And why? Because we have a big tent. There's room for you, too. And to my own audience, Biden-Harris 2024. And as always, thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media, written by Jimmy Jelinek and Paula Killen. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustad, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. 
Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Maya Culpa, nothing but the truth. Oh, <laughs>